Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. Your host, Nisi Edwards, is founder of the Fibro Patient Education and Support Organization, and she's here to offer help and hope to the millions of individuals who suffer from chronic pain. Now, here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Pain-Free Zone. I am your host, Nisi Edwards, and today we are talking all about fibromyalgia, what you need to know, and uh, let's get started. So what exactly is fibromyalgia and what is the difference between fibro as well as CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome? So I want you to start thinking about something. Think about your pain. Are you just achy because you've been pushing yourself too hard? Would a good massage and a weekend away solve your problems? Or do you just simply hurt all the time, 24-7? Whether you're standing or lying down, walking or sleeping, enjoying yourself or in stress, are you just constantly in pain? Because if you are, those with true fibromyalgia symptoms don't even remember what it's like not to hurt. We simply just hurt all the time. Now, consider some other symptoms. Do you seem to be constantly fighting off colds? For example, does it seem like time you get rid of one cold, here comes another one? It's just like you just, your body can just never recover? It is if your immune system isn't working right, then you may perhaps be leaning more towards chronic fatigue syndrome. Do you remember the last time you slept all night? you may be leaning towards fibromyalgia. So let's talk about some of the difference between the two. True chronic fatigue syndrome usually presents chronic disabling fatigue. I mean, just outright, you're just fatigued all the time. Muscle aches and pains, you have a poor immune function, and you have flu-like symptoms frequently, and you have low norepinephrine levels. Now, as compared to fibromyalgia symptoms, with fibromyalgia, you have chronic widespread pain in muscles and joints. You also have difficulty sleeping, and you have low serotonin levels. So where do you fit? I want you to give that some thought. So I want to share with you my story and why the pain-free zone was started and created. So I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2014. Prior to the diagnosis, what was happening with me, and this was going back probably five years before even the diagnosis. I was working in corporate America where I was bullied for two and a half years. And I really feel that that is the perfect storm that led to my diagnosis. Yes, I was having some other issues, but by and large, the bullying really just seemed to put his thumb on a thermostat and just turn up the heat, and that just sent my body into overdrive from which uh, it didn't recover. So when you think about fibromyalgia and my situation, the bullying, for example, I had difficulty sleeping. I had widespread chronic pain. Uh, the biggest thing that I was dealing with 
was really bad chest pain. I mean, chest pain that hurts so bad that when you walk, it feels as though your chest was going to explode. It didn't matter if you were walking, sitting, talking, jogging, exercising, no matter what, the pain was constant. It was always there. I thought that I was having a heart attack, so I would frequently be in the ER because I I thought really that I was having a heart attack or that I had heart disease, and I just didn't know what was happening to me. And it kept happening so frequently, and each time they would say, no, there's nothing wrong with your heart. Your heart is in good condition. There's nothing wrong with it. But they never addressed any of my other symptoms. So the chest pain continued and continued until finally I had a stress test. That didn't show anything abnormal. And then several years later, I had a uh, cardiac catheterization. And they checked the heart, looked at everything, and no, everything was fine. There was no blockage. So then the issue was again, okay, if there's nothing wrong with my heart, everything is working as it should be, you can't find anything, why am I having this much pain? At the time, I had been treating with my primary care physician, and I had been his patient for about, I would say, six to seven years always had a good relationship with this particular doctor until when my symptoms started, uh, such as problems with sleep, more increased widespread pain. He already knew that I was under a lot of stress at work because I literally was seeing him probably every week or every other week because that's just how much pain I was in. So the last time when I was at work, the pain intensified even more. And I was taken from work to the ER again. And this was then at this point, my second time being transported from work to the emergency room, six months apart. The second time when I went to the emergency room, the I was just totally blessed with the doctor that was assigned to me because he seemed to be really interested in me as a patient and really helping me. And he's talked to me for a long time and they admitted me for observation. And when they transported me to my own room, he actually came to my room to talk to me some more because he wanted to better understand what was happening to me. He shared with me that the company that I was working for, he had seen numerous employees from this company and he viewed the company that I work for as a toxic working environment because They were known in the community as the type of employer that would pay a good salary, but they would literally work their employees to death. There was going to be a lot of stress, a lot of bullying, a lot of everything. It just was not going to be a healthy work environment. And he said to me, next time you're not going to be so lucky. You keep having all these chest pains and you were just here six months ago. I pulled your chart. I looked at everything. And he said to me, uh, Nisi, I'm telling you now, next time you may not be so lucky because it may be heart disease. You may actually be having a heart attack. He said, that's why you're here today, because your symptoms presented itself that made it look as though you were having a heart attack. And it really got my attention. And he says, "Um, you're going to need some time off from work. And uh, I said, "Okay." 
but he says it's not going to be just a day here or a day there. You really need extended time off, and you also need to see a therapist to deal with your emotions and the stress uh, and the bullying. And he says one other thing, you need to find another job because that job is not for you, and you just need to give it up. So I leave the ER, and I return back to the physician that I just mentioned that I had been treating with for about six to seven years, mentioned to him that I was in the ER, here's paperwork, I now need to go on medical leave, and my employer has a form that I need you to complete. And that's when the relationship changed, the moment that I asked him to complete a form. And he raised his voice at me and he said, and I'll never forget. It was just like that was just seared into my brain. It's just just so vivid even until today when he said to me, look, there's nothing wrong with you. For all I know, it could be fibromyalgia, but there's nothing wrong with you. And I don't have time to be completing any paperwork. Notice he then said it could be fibro, but then he also said there's nothing wrong with you. And he was adamant that he wasn't going to complete the forms. He was adamant that there was nothing wrong with me. And uh, I did not appreciate the way that he spoke with me. And at that moment, I knew that he would no longer be my physician. Uh, I then had a second opinion with another physician that's not part or affiliated with his practice. And it's important to get a second opinion when you need one. And it should be independent, independent in the sense that it's not another doctor at the same practice because you don't want someone that's just going along with what the first doctor said. You want them to make their own independent decision based up and diagnosis based upon their examination of you, not based upon what someone else has written down. And so I went to a new doctor and on the second visit, that's when he says, has anyone ever told you what is wrong with you? And I says, no, I wish someone would. And that's when he said to me that it was fibromyalgia. He did an extensive um, physical exam. Uh, there's about total of 18 um, tender points and in your body. And each time he touched me in the different quadrants, I felt as though I was going to jump off the table. I mean, it just hurt that bad. And he said, you know, you have fibromyalgia. He says, I tested you and you have pain in about 17 out of 18 of the uh, tender points, if not all of them. He says, you just have widespread pain. Your body is inflamed. No matter where we touch you on your body, everything is just amplified with the pain. And he educated me about fibromyalgia, what it was, and um, I was just stunned because the doctor that I had been seeing with for all these years, when he said it could be fibro, he never took the time to investigate or to, you know, say, let's explore this more. He just really, I felt, just cast me to the side as a patient. He just stopped caring for me. And with this new doctor, I just remembered, just crying because I felt validated in the sense that there truly was something wrong with me, just like I knew it was. I mean, you know your body. You know how it feels if you are a fibromyalgia patient, you wake up every day and you have this widespread pain that just never leaves, no matter what you do. You wake up with pain, you go to bed with pain. I remember driving into work, this company where I was working, where I was bullied, 
From the time I will pull into the parking lot, I had increased pain. From the time that I stopped my car in the parking lot and parked it and got out the car and started walking down the parking lot to enter the building, the chest pain would intensify. And I knew then that that was my body's way of letting me know that um, the stress was too high. Uh, my body was reacting to, you know, what it knew to expect. Uh, it knew and it had history that going into working every day at this place, it was always toxic. And that's how I was reacting to it. And, and my body, no, it, listen to your body. It will give you warnings one um, after the other. Your, your body knows. And uh, I knew that this was not healthy in that I needed to get some help. So with the new doctor, he uh, that examination, I'm going to say, was probably about an hour. And he talked to me for great lengths of time. And uh, if you are a new patient, one that's been recently diagnosed with fibromyalgia or you know someone, um, then I encourage you to have them to call into our listener line is 1-888-463-6748 or 1-888-GO-FOR-IT, G-O-F-O-R-I-T. We're getting ready to take a break and we'll be right back going into further details uh, about fibromyalgia. Welcome back to the Pain-Free Zone. Here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome back. This is Nisi Edwards, host of the Pain-Free Zone, and we're talking today all about fibromyalgia. We're having an in-depth conversation uh, about it. So uh, where we left off was I was sharing with you about my journey with fibromyalgia, my diagnosis, and um, when the doctor had told me what my diagnosis was for, for fibromyalgia, um, I just cried because finally I had the answer I had been seeking, and um, he actually showed compassion. This same doctor, um, I actually wound up treating with another physician in his practice because shortly after he diagnosed me, he relocated to another state. But he left me in really good, capable hands with an associate physician there in the office, whom to this day I still treat with. And my current physician, what stands out for me the most, and this is what some of you need to be looking for in case you don't have a good doctor. You need a physician that is going to listen to you as a patient, who's going to listen to you intently, is going to make recommendations or suggestions, and who recognizes that they don't have all the answers in terms of treating it. So my doctor, he said to me one day, you know, Nisi, this is going to take a team effort. He says, I don't have all the answers. He says, I'm going to throw everything that I got at my disposal to help you treat it. He says, there are some things that we're going to need to team with other doctors on. He says, for example, the depression, the stress. You need to see a therapist to help you get that in check. He says, you know, you're still having another pain. We need to also have you get a second opinion or an appointment with a rheumatologist just to make certain that there's nothing else going on. So it was truly a team effort, a team approach. And he had said early on that he recognized that he couldn't do it all. And I really respect that. 
you know, you can't help but have respect for a physician who's honest with you and who's telling you, hey, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but I know where to get the answers. And this is a team approach. So that's why I still treat with him because he cared for me. He makes recommendations and suggestions, and he's not afraid to say, hey, this is outside my scope. I don't know. Let's go get some help. That's what you want because no one doctor can do it all. You may find some whom will tell you they know everything there is to know about it, and they will not refer you to any outside treatment. Now, some of these medical clinics, the ones where you have um, multiple physicians in a practice, some of them may not refer you out. Some of them, the philosophy of that practice may be, don't refer this patient out. You're going to keep them coming, coming to you, and no matter what, because they know that should they refer you out, that they may lose money. That's their mentality, whereas the doctor that I'm seeing He knows that I'm going to still see him for the fibro. He's my primary care doctor. But the other specialized services that I need, he was not afraid to admit that he doesn't have all the answers. So he referred me to those specialists, but I still see him. Whereas with other doctors, they are not willing to do that. They will literally drag you on. They will literally keep you coming back forever and forever. And you know what? You'll never get any better. You'll never get any answers because they're just playing with your health, stringing you along. And so this is 2018, new year, new beginnings. No more being strung along. I want you to be empowered to make the best choices for your health because you're the patient. You're in the driver's seat. Is your body, is your health, is your life. The doctor is not God. So you need to take an active role in your own health care. Don't be passive. Don't be the type of patient who just goes to the doctor and the doctor tells you, well, this is what it is, and you leave the same way that you came. If anything, I want you to go prepared to the doctor's office. Have a notepad in hand with you with a list of questions that you're going to ask so that when you leave, you're going to leave with some information. You're going to leave empowered, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. So I want to talk a little bit more about the criteria needed for a fibromyalgia diagnosis. Now, the first one is pain and symptoms over the past week. And that's going to be based on the total number of painful areas out of the 18 parts of the body that I just mentioned, plus the level of severity of your symptoms. So they're going to be looking for fatigue, um, waking. So when you wake, do you wake up feeling refreshed? So, um, one way that I look at it is uh, the, the coin that I term to describe it is that I'm sleep stuck, meaning that I'm so tired, I'm so sleepy, I can't get enough rest. It's almost as if my sleep is there, but it's stuck somewhere and it just hasn't been released where it would just totally allow me to drift into a restorative sleep. You also have some cognitive problems, such as, memory or thought cognitive problems you know it could be you get very forgetful or you just can't seem to remember Um, sometimes you may be fearful that it could be uh, Alzheimer's you know especially when you're so used to being on top of your a-game you know nothing holds you back but now all of a sudden 
you have problems cognitively. You have problems remembering. You have problems with your memory. Um, I experienced this firsthand when I was traveling to visit family members in northwest Indiana, where I was born and raised. And uh, I have made this drive <laughs> numerous years, you know, so there was no chance for me to get lost. But I remember one time going home to visit, and I made it there fine, but on the return back to my home, I got lost. Um, I got lost, and when I got lost, I was actually two hours away from my home. I don't know how I got there. I just know that cognitively. Uh, I had problems with my memory, and I couldn't even remember how I got there. But I remember uh, pulling over briefly just to refocus, and I remember praying that God gave me some direction. And um, I found my way home. And after that first incident, when this happened to me, I immediately went back to the doctor, and that's when he explained to me that, yes, cognitively, you are having problems. So, you know, because it really had me worried as to what's going on. But when he explained it to me, I felt a little bit better about it. The other um, situation with the criteria is that you're going. Uh, they're looking for a number of other general physical symptoms. Um, also, they're going to look for your symptoms lasting at least three months at a similar level uh, because that's when it makes it chronic. Also, they, they want to check to make certain that there's no other health problems that would explain your pain or other symptoms. So that's what they're looking at. Now, it was the ACR, the American College of Rheumatology, who first coined the phrase fibromyalgia. And many people have um, asked me, is it, shouldn't um, rheumatologists be the, the ones that treat fibromyalgia patients? Well, yes and no. Yes, you would think they should be. But the reason why I say no is because many rheumatologists, just like other doctors, don't believe that fibromyalgia exists. So when I mentioned about the widespread pain and uh, the tender points, so what they're looking at is all four quadrants of your body where the pain may be. That's going to be your right and left sides, as well as above and below your waist to be diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Those are the four quadrants. Now with many rheumatologists, the reason why, and this is just my own personal opinion um, from what I have observed, because I have seen a total of about maybe seven different rheumatologists, and I don't really feel that they want to be bothered with fibromyalgia patients because it takes work. It takes time. In fact, I remember one rheumatologist telling me that fibromyalgia is simply just not sexy like RA, rheumatoid arthritis, and I was very appalled by his behavior, but at least he was honest. Because, see, with fibromyalgia, when you go to the doctor, it's not going to be a five-minute or ten-minute visit. You know, they need to spend time with you to assess you because I'm going to be honest, you're just going to be a hot mess in the beginning. So much is going to be going on with you, and there's so many different things they're going to need to tackle, the cognitive, the pain, the sleep. I mean, just so many different things. And I might add the digestive issues that come along with fibro uh, irritable bowel syndrome the IBS. 
The other thing is the sleep. So when you have problems with sleep, they will refer you to a neurologist who specializes in sleep. And from that doctor, what they're going to then do is they're going to do a sleep study. So with the sleep study, I've had uh, a couple of them done where they hook you up to electrodes uh, in your scalp and they're going to be monitoring you all night at a facility to determine, you know, what it is, what's going on with your sleep. Uh, They will also tell you how many times you stop breathing because with sleep apnea is very dangerous because when you stop breathing, so, for example, in my situation, they said that I stopped breathing a total of 15 times. And then I will start back breathing. You you can die literally with sleep apnea, which is why it's very serious and why you need to get it treated. Also, when you have problems with sleep, your body can't heal. Sleep is restorative. And when you don't get restorative sleep, that leads to problems with, uh, I mean, a whole multitude of problems. But what comes to my mind is um, obesity, um, diabetes, definitely problems with your memory. I mean, just so many things that I want you to seriously think about that. A lot of people have problems with sleep, but they never take the time to get it checked out. So if that's you, stop doing that. Please, please take the time to get some help. We are approaching our next break, and uh, I want you to stay tuned to the Pain-Free Zone. I'm your host, Nisi Edwards. I'll be right back. Now, let's get back to the Pain-Free Zone. Here's Nisi Edwards. Welcome back. This is Nisi. I'm your host of the Pain-Free Zone, and today we're talking all about fibromyalgia. First half of the hour, we, I talked with you a little bit about my journey, um, how it is diagnosed, and we also talked about CFS, chronic fatigue syndrome. So now we're going to get more into the uh, other additional symptoms of fibromyalgia that I want you to be aware of and to make note of if this is you. So sleep disturbances. We started off talking at the the last break about sleep disturbances, and I mentioned to you about going to have a sleep study. So with sleep um, disturbances, you just don't feel refreshed in your sleep. And despite having, let's say, you're in bed for eight hours, no matter how long you're in bed, no, no matter how long you attempt to sleep, you still don't feel refreshed. And you may also have difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. Sleep was one of the most difficult challenges to date that I have wrestled with. And even after having uh, two uh, sleep studies done, and they configured me with a CPAP machine, I still had difficulties with sleep. You know, golden standard when you have sleep apnea is for you to be given a CPAP machine. And so with the CPAP machine, it's designed where you hook yourself up at night and it's set to, um, it's set to a certain level for you to have oxygen so that you can help breathe with the air. And I tried the CPAP machine for over a year and I did not and have not to date had good results with a CPAP machine. What I have encountered was I've developed repeatedly um, 
chronic upper respiratory infections being on the CPAP machine. The CPAP machine, you have to clean it. You have to change the filters, um, the hosing, the mask. It's a lot of work to clean it. But even after doing all that, I still was having problems with upper respiratory infection. And it wasn't until actually this year that I moved to using an oral device for sleep. So I no longer use the CPAP machine. I use an, an oral device that was fitted for me. And when it comes down to the sleep, um, if you're having problems with the CPAP machine and you want to consider an oral device, the oral device is not fitted by just any dentist. There are special dentists that specialize in sleep who will do the fitting for this device. These devices are not cheap. Uh, many of them start anywhere from, I'm going to say roughly probably 6000 to $7,000, depending upon the device. And um, what happens is that you go into the dentist's office, and they're going to examine you to make certain, number one, that you're a good fit for the device. And you definitely want to make certain that you're a good fit for the device because of the expense of it. And then from the examination, then they're going to do the cast, the mold of your mouth to, to design and create the oral appliance for you. That's going to take about four weeks for the oral de- appliance to be ready for you. Then you return to the uh, office. They fit you with it. They give you instructions of how to use it. You use it at nighttime uh, and they give you instructions on how to clean it uh, and how to use it. So if you're someone that's having difficulties with sleep, don't ignore that. You definitely need to get help. So when my doctor mentioned to me that this was going to take a team effort, that was something when it comes down to the sleep that he couldn't help me with. So that's why I wound up seeing a um, neurologist who did the sleep study and, you know, determined the best device for me. Next, stiffness. So body stiffness, that's something you usually experience a lot when you have fibromyalgia. Weather changes uh, and remaining in one position for too long a period of time, that is going to create and intensify your pain. Your stiffness may also be present when you're awake. So uh, you may be the type of patient that you're just stiff all day. Even when you attempt to move or do light exercise, you may find that you're still stiff. So that is one of the symptoms of fibromyalgia. Now, I'm in the Midwest, and uh, it's cold and snowy, and so this weather changes. It, it does, you know, wor- worsen my pain. I um, have on my, um, my phone, my smartphone, I have weather apps that I track the weather because I'm looking also at the precipitation as well as the humidity and the weather patterns, and if it's going to rain, snow, whatever it may be, that may be something you want to do. And the reason why I do that is it helps prepare me for the weather in terms of, okay, if it's going to rain today and I know that, then um, I know that, okay, should I get more intensified joint pain? It's just a better way for me to care for myself. I may drink uh, more tea. I may add um more ginger to my tea or diet or just other things just to help me get over the coldness and the chill. There's just different things you can do depending upon your body and what the needs are for your body. Now, another symptom, headaches and facial pain. 
Headaches can be caused by uh, tenderness in your neck, your shoulder, or just soft tissues around your temporal mandibular joint, your TMJ. And uh, that pain is, is very intense. Another symptom is abdominal discomfort. I mentioned earlier about the IBS, the irritable bowel syndrome. So you may have digestive disturbances, abdominal pain that comes along with bloating as well as constipation and diarrhea. And I saw a, a gastroenterologist for that. And again, that's someone else on your care team uh, that your physician may refer you to. So with the gastroenterologist, they are very helpful because there are certain types of probiotics that are really good for treating IBS. Now, I know that there are a lot of probiotics over the counter that you can buy at the vitamin shop and your local um, other wellness shop. But the rheumatologist, uh, not rheumatologist, the gastroenterologist was very helpful because they're going to rule out other things to make certain that you're not having any other gastrointestinal issues. And, and if it's just simply just uh, IBS, there are probiotics that they would recommend. And you may be thinking, well, there's a lot of probiotics out there. Why do I need to see a GI doctor? Yes, there are a lot of probiotics out there, but you want the best probiotic for you. There's different strains of probiotics out there. And so you just want to make certain that you're getting the proper one for your diagnosis. Another symptom of fibromyalgia is poor digestion. So you may have a hard time digesting foods, um, just a whole lot of issues. I know that for myself that my diet has changed. Some of the foods that I used to be able to eat, they now seem to really bother me. And um, I give you a perfect example of that. Something as simple as poultry, even if it's um, baked or roasted, Poultry, I can't eat too much of it because it seems to upset my stomach. And be mindful of the changes. That's why it's important that you keep a food diary. Start jotting down what you've noticed that seems to be triggering discomfort in your gut. Um, make a list of those things because that, that's very important uh, for you to know. Uh, another thing, irritable bladder. So you may see an increase in urinary frequency and a greater urgency to urinate more frequently may be present. Uh, if that's you, that's something, you know, you need to be aware of. And also, too, if it's more frequent, you want to get it checked and make certain that um, you don't have diabetes. The other thing you're going to notice is numbness or tingling. So this numbness or tingling is also may refer to as paresthesia. Uh, that's going to be like a prickling or burning sensation in your extremities. Now, this prickly or burning sensation, this pain can radiate up and down your sh your shoulders, from your neck to your shoulders, to your hand, to your fingers. The other thing I want to mention again is the chest pain. Remember when I said about the chest pain, how severe it was for me? They have a term for that chest pain. It's called costochondritis. So it's inflammation of the chest wall. So it's muscular pain at the point where your ribs meet the chest bone. Then there's uh, another symptom of cognitive disorders. We talked about that, uh, about the forgetfulness and um, the cognitive problems with the, the memory. So it could also include spaciness. You may have memory lapses. 
You may have difficulty concentrating, get your words mixed up when speaking or writing, um, and also clumsiness. So watch your balance. And then there's a, a big one for me, and that was the environmental sensitivity. If you know someone who has had, for example, migraines, you know that they have a lot of chemical sensitivities and other types of sensitivities, where it's the same way with fibromyalgia patients. So your sensitivities can be to light, noise, and odors and weather. Now, the odors is very important because if you walk into a room, certain smells you're going to pick up. And I'm not just talking about foul smells. I'm just speaking of in terms of um, perfumes and things of that nature. That's why at some um, some places of employment, you may see people who have a sign that, that says um, perfumes not allowed, you know, no excessive perfume use because of the sensitivity to those chemicals. Uh, I just find that with environmental sensitivities, you know, you're at more of a heightened level. I can walk into a building and I'm fine and someone else can walk in there maybe 15 and 20 minutes later and instantly it is if something just comes over me and it's as if that I'm just, best way to phrase it is like your spidey senses. It's just like your spidey senses kick in and it's just like an over awareness that's, Oh my goodness, what is it that they're wearing? And you can be sitting next to someone and they may look at you and say, I don't smell anything. What what are you talking about? Your central nervous system is heightened. It's at a higher level and it stands out for you and you can pick up these chemicals. You can smell them, whereas other people, they're not going to have no reaction to it, but you will. So the light, uh, too much bright light, that can be a problem. So you may want to have yourself some sunglasses to help protect your eyes. Noise. Noise can be a big problem. Um, even something as simple as watching the TV, that noise from the television set may seem like it is just too loud. So that's something to be uh, aware of. And so these chemical sensitivities you're going to find in um, fibromyalgia patients as well as patients with chronic fatigue. So if you encounter any chemical sensitivities, I want you to start writing down. Uh, even if it's just something, like I said, um, carpet shampoos, um, perfumes, also deodorants. And one other thing I forgot to mention, various medications. You know, it's just going to be so many different things with these um, environmental sensitivities. So if that's you, and, you know, you've been wondering what's going on with you, why you are experiencing that. Then I just want to let you know that that's par for the course. So just be aware. Um, another symptom is um, this equilibrium. And so that's difficulty in your orientation. It could be in driving, standing, or reading. You may have dizziness and balance problems. Um, what happened to me a year ago was I developed vertigo. I had never had vertigo in my entire life, and uh, I was driving to work one day, and I started getting dizzy. Didn't know what was wrong with me. Uh, I pulled over, and it felt as if the the road was just spinning. It felt as if the car was spinning, and but I the car wasn't moving. 
So that's uh, another symptom. And then another symptom is allodynia. And so that's when you have uh, a lower than average pain threshold. So you perceive pain normally not felt by people who may be healthy. So someone can just gently press something on your arm. For you, it may make you want to just jump out of your skin, jump out of the chair. But for them, they may say, I barely touched you. So how can you have that type of pain? And so the other one is central central sensitization hyperalgesia. So that's when your nerve cells they supply the brain, they become more excitable, and they over-amplify those sensations of pain. So even if you bump your toe, you stub your toe, you bump your knee, and someone just touches you, that may be enough where you just scream out in pain because it is just painful because of your central nervous system in terms of um, how you process pain. So stay tuned. We're getting ready to go on uh, another break, and we'll be right back. And This is uh, Nisi Edwards with the Pain-Free Zone. You're listening to the Pain-Free Zone on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Nisi Edwards. Welcome back. This is Nisi Edwards, your host. And today we're talking all about fibromyalgia. First half of the hour, we talked about um, my journey with fibro. I also provided you with uh, information on the symptoms and how you were diagnosed. And then we went into in-depth discussion as to what the symptoms are. So where do we go from here with fibro? Um, we're going to talk about briefly a little bit about the drugs in the medication. So drugs can be helpful, especially short term, but keep in mind that drugs treat symptoms, not the causes. Drugs not only treat the symptoms, they mask the symptoms. It doesn't treat the root causes to what caused it in the first place. Drugs don't make you healthy. So you have to uh, get yourself healthy. So that may mean, uh, environmental stressors, the food that you eat. Uh, keep in mind also your relationships with people. So when I shared with you all earlier about how I was bullied in corporate America for two and a half years, I had to let go of anything that was no longer serving me. That means that I never, I went on medical leave for short-term disability, then it turned into long-term Um, And I never returned to my place of employment. And I'm going to tell you something. It was the best thing that I could have ever done because had I stayed where I was, my health would have kept spiraling out of control. Uh, So I I don't have any regrets when it comes down to that. Uh, The only thing that else I could add to that would have been I should have left that job a lot sooner than I did. But that's okay. Um, I am today right where I need to be. So you may be someone who's going through something similar in the workforce where you are not being respected, you're being bullied. My advice to you is don't stay too long like I did. If you can't find another job right away and you're being bullied or mistreated, you need to definitely start keeping a diary. And if needed, never be afraid to consult legal counsel to get an attorney. You know, you may be someone who is being discriminated against because you have a chronic illness. 
there are many people with chronic pain in the workforce and employers are going to have to come to an understanding that that's just the way it is. And just because someone has a chronic illness doesn't mean that they're no longer fit to work a job. It just simply means that the job may need to be modified and there's nothing wrong with that. We need companies, we need employers who are willing to understand chronic illnesses and to work with their employees. Modification, communication. Uh, many people, they go to work every day. It could be some of your coworkers, your loved ones or your friends, and, and they're bullied. They're afraid to even take time off from work to go to the doctor to see about themselves for fear that if their employer knows that they have a chronic illness, that they're going to be fired. Uh, and that's a, a stress that you don't need. That's an unnecessary stressor. So if that is you, don't be a victim to that. I want you, with this show especially, as with all of them, the episodes with the pain-free zone, I want you to feel empowered. I want you to take charge of your health. So anything that is no longer serving you, you need to get rid of it. That means that if you're in relationships with people who don't value or respect you and these relationships are causing you a great deal of pain, then you may need to reevaluate that relationship. Talk to that person, communicate, and if all else fails um, and you're still being mistreated, then you need to make a decision as to how much you're going to put up with, how much you're going to tolerate. Same thing with doctors. I'm not anti-doctors. I'm for doctors because I feel that doctors have tools and resources um, at their disposals that can help you. But at the same time, I don't want you seeing uh, any stupid or foolish doctors. And when I say that, what I'm referring to is those whom don't know how to treat you and can't or even won't even admit to it. You know, you don't want one who... Um, when you try to speak with them or communicate to them as to what your symptoms are, um, they minimize it or make it appear as if it's non-existent. No, you, you don't want that. You want a physician, the right one for you, who is going to listen to your concerns, who is going to work with you to develop a treatment plan that's going to help move you forward to wellness and vitality. There are a lot of good places out there um, that will do that for you. You just need to be pointed in that direction. Did you know that Americans now spend over $2 billion a year on prescription drugs? And the reason why it's hard to get well is because, think about it, if we're spending billions and billions of dollars on prescription drugs, it's really not in their interest to see you and I get well, is it? Because if you and I, when we are 100% better, then guess what that means? You're not going to need all that stuff. And they know that. That's why they want to keep you coming and coming and coming and throwing all these prescription drugs and different things at you. So, New year, new beginnings, as I said earlier, and this is the year for you to take matters into your hand, move the needle, and to get better and to heal. And one of the finer places um, for me, that was the Mayo Clinic. Uh, I shared with you all about my visit to Mayo Clinic, and um, I love Mayo Clinic because they're not just about giving you a prescription. In fact, 
they are really big on the body, mind, and spirit, um, total wellness. And they have so many different programs out there. So, you know, you may not be able to go visit uh, the Mayo Clinic. That's fine. But you know what? There are a lot of things you can do right now. So, for example, Tai Chi. I've invested in um, Tai Chi, and it's the slow, gentle movement that that helps. Um, you may want to uh, get a membership at a gym and do low-impact exercising and use the warm water peel. You have to have movement. If you don't have movement, then your body will just seize up into spasms. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things you can do. There's Eden Energy um, Medicine. You can Google Donna Eden, D-O-N-N-A-E-D-E-N, I believe is the spelling of her last name, where she has about a five-minute wellness routine for tapping. Um, I mean, there's just so many different things you can do for wellness. You don't have to stay the same. So I want you to make the decision today to choose wellness and vitality, and you're going to move forward and you're going to be determined that this is your year of getting your breakthrough for wellness and healing, and you're going to no longer be that passive patient. You're going to take an aggressive role in your health, and most importantly, you're going to hold your health care provider accountable. You need answers, so come prepared, ask questions, and some of the questions that you can ask is, okay, what is it going to take for me to feel better? Uh, you want to know if they're keeping up to date on the various different types of research. Uh, you want to also deal with your mindset. Think about the things that you're saying to yourself and about yourself. I mean, there's just so many different aspects of wellness. And so for 2018 here on the pain-free zone, we're really going to be focused more on not just the pain-free zone, but moving you from pain to wellness and vitality. So that is our show for today. And I thank you for listening. I'm Nisi Edwards and I'm your host of the Pain-Free Zone. Have a wonderful day.